If you'd like to follow along today as I read our scripture lesson, it's found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Whether it's your print version Bible or your electronic version, or if you follow along on the screen, we invite you to hear God's Word. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. By word of recap from our time together last Sunday, you'll remember that this concept of touring the Gospels during the Advent season, a Christmas light tour or Christmas house tour, comes from Dr. Tom Long, a renowned professor of preaching, who has compared the church's lectionary to homes that the church goes to visit during the season. Matthew's house, Mark's house, Luke's house, and John's house. At Huguenot Road Baptist Church this Advent season, we're putting a little twist on Dr. Long's concept. We're calling it a Christmas light tour, just as we would go around Richmond and see the lights on the homes that are all decorated. Our hope is to see how each gospel writer illuminates the story of the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, the light of the world. From last Sunday, you'll remember that the lectionary is a tool that we use. It's a three-year cycle of Sunday Scripture readings that we use for preaching and teaching throughout the world in the church. The lectionary follows the Christian year, which doesn't begin in January at the new year, and doesn't begin in September with school starting back and the Sunday school year. Rather, the Christian year begins now with Advent. It's followed by major seasons of the Christian year, the Epiphany, the Lenten season, Easter, Eastertide, Pentecost, the story of the birth of the church, which 
takes us all the way through summer and fall back to Advent once again. Each of the three major years, there are the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then John's Gospel is sprinkled throughout all of the different readings. And on each Sunday of the year, there's an Old Testament reading paired along with the Gospel, an epistle reading or a reading from one of the letters in the New Testament, and there is also a psalm. In fact, the psalm that Amelia read today is Psalm 80, which is paired with the Gospel lesson in Matthew. So over a period of three years or so, the church would hopefully have gone through most of the Bible. And last Sunday we stopped to visit Mark's house. We started there, as I said, because most scholars agree that it was the first gospel to actually be recorded and put into writing. Most of Mark's gospel is also a source in Matthew and Luke's gospel. So it's a great, it was a great place for us to start. And Mark's gospel reminds us that hope is to be found in the manger Hope is to be found in the manger only because it, is, because it is first found on the cross. Easter fulfills Christmas. Easter gives us the meaning of Christmas. According to Mark, the strongest evidence that Jesus is the Son of God is not from His miraculous birth, but rather from His life and ministry in which He healed the sick and forgave sinners, welcomed outcasts, welcomed children, proclaimed the kingdom of God, and has flipped our usual ways of being in a world filled with power and privilege, spinning it to humility and sacrificial service. Some scholars have said that the entire Gospel of Mark is a passion narrative leading to death, his death and resurrection. At Mark's house, the absence of holiday adornment and decoration, remember it was a simple, straightforward, quick gospel, ultimately is reminiscent of the empty tomb. There would be nothing to celebrate at Christmas if it were not for Easter. Next Sunday, we'll visit Luke's house and see the lights, the luminaries, the angels, the birth announcements, and a most unusual place for the one born King of the Jews, a stable. And then finally we'll go and tour Mark, uh, John's house and see the light there. And John, like a theology professor, will discuss with us the multi-layered meaning of things, uh, symbolic of how Jesus is in this world. For example, when he said, I am the light of the world. Today, our tour brings us to Matthew's house for a family reunion with Jesus' entire clan, ancient grandparents, aunts and uncles we've never heard of, and people traveling from afar. We will barely fit in Matthew's house for all the crowd, but it will be fun like most of our family reunions. If you're taking notes today, you'll want to jot down that Matthew's gospel helps us to see that the birth story of Jesus is much more than a genealogy. It's much more than a family tree. It's a redemption story for all people. Matthew mo wrote mostly to a Jewish audience. So it was important for him to connect his audience to see Jesus in light of the rich Jewish heritage and history. His version of the Christmas story anchors the birth of Christ within God's covenant promise with Abraham 
and God's rescue of the, and redemption of the Israelites from Egyptian slavery and also of their rescue or their, uh, their uh, coming back and redemption from Babylonian captivity. Matthew also reveals to us the fulfillment of God's long-expected Messiah who would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Messiah was from the line of David. He was called Son of David and is referred to Son of David throughout the New Testament. I imagine that if Matthew lived today and we visited his house, it would be filled with decorations. There would be a menorah there. Jesus being raised in a Jewish home would have celebrated Hanukkah, so we would, we would see the menorah there. We would look around and see the people gathering, uh, pointing to the one uh, born king. Matthew's house would tell the story of generations who have occupied his house in the past and point to the generations who would live there today. I think that uh, the, the, the antique dining room set would have been passed down from number of generations and you can only imagine the stories that would be told about, about all of the people who gathered around the table for uh, sacred meals and the silver flatware and the, the china and the crystal uh, would, would be used to tell stories as, as they ate together. Each piece would have a story of itself. There would be portraits on the walls. I imagine the stairwell, if you were to walk up the stairs, would be lined with pictures of family vacations and milestones in life and graduations and weddings and all of these things. One of the things that I really enjoy doing when I visit with you all is seeing your pictures. When I go up the stairs and I, I look at your family vacation stories and people that I've never met and hear you point things out and tell me how it all fits together, it's wonderful. It's especially meaningful to me when one of you has experienced the death of someone in your family and I'm able to come and visit with you and see the pictures that are so important. Many families work hard to put together slide presentations to celebrate their loved one's life. And they're so special. I imagine a visit to Matthew's house would have this same feel to it. You know, pictures are really important to us. One of my wife's co-workers recently had a devastating house fire. She's a single mom, and she and her son live in Henrico County. And the um, condo they lived in was attached to another house, and that's where the fire started. Everyone got out thankfully safe, but they lost most everything, including the photographs of the of her son's father who had died several years ago. Pictures mean something. If I were to ask you, what would you grab if you had to leave your house because there was a storm or a fire, I imagine that you would agree and you would say, the pictures. I'm grabbing the pictures. 
and I'm running out. One of the most meaningful things that we do at Huguenot Road Baptist Church, in, in my sense, is the clinic. It's the mission called the clinic. It happens every year. And people from all over the community come to our church campus to receive ministry in a number of ways. Matthew, am I right in that we have been having the clinic 15 years? Or thereabouts, around 15 years that we have experienced the clinic. And if you're a member here, you know about it, but if you're a guest, the clinic offers physical, emotional, and spiritual help, medical care, diabetes screenings, blood pressure checks, vision testing, athletic physicals for student-athletes, flu shots, haircuts, massage. There's a food pantry. There's a Christmas store where our guests from all over come and perhaps take a gift that they can give for Christmas. There's a houseware store where folks can come and choose things for their homes. Maybe it's a, a set of flatware or a set of dishes that they will eat off of during this holiday season. There's a hot meal that we provide. There's also breakfast. There's even grief care for people who've experienced loss. And there's counsel for spiritual care as well. And I could go on. But one of the most powerful and popular ministries that is offered through the clinic are the family photos. This was an idea that originated, Reuben, with your wife, Alice. Bless her soul. And we continue to do this today. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever been involved in taking the pictures. Some of you have around the room. I see several of you. Families who perhaps have come to Richmond as refugees from places far away like Syria and Afghanistan and Sudan and other places in Central and South America have been able to get their family pictures made here because all they may have come here with was the clothes that were on their back. And it's wonderful to see the smiles on their faces when they leave our church with printed copies of their family portraits. Some of them could never afford to get school pictures, um, you know, pay for those and bring them home. Some don't have a church that takes their directory picture and gives them a complimentary 8 by 10 like we, we have here. So it's wonderful to see the stories that people can tell when they take their family portraits home and place them on their walls. I imagine that these kind of pictures we would see of the genealogy of Jesus if we were to go to Matthew's house. It's in chapter 1 if you want to read all of the names and how it tells the story from Abraham up to David and then to David's line and then those who were after the Babylonian exile up to Jesus. I imagine that we would see all kinds of ornaments on Matthew's tree that were special and that tell stories. I don't know about you, but when you come to our house and see our Christmas tree, the ornaments, they all tell a story. My bride, Melanie, is very organized. I'm not so. And she does a wonderful job of organizing our Christmas ornaments. They are all in their original boxes and in the wrapping that they came in. And if there's uh, significance about when it was given and who gave it, she records that information. And then very carefully, we decorate, 
And then when we take them down, we put them right back in those containers and store them in a special place. There's our tree, if you can see it. We may have a picture. Um, the picture didn't work in the early service, so I, that one's not working today. But, you, okay, so you just have to imagine our tree, okay? It's kind of like that one behind me, right? Not so tall. Um, it, it has a Victorian flavor to it, very traditional with clear lights. And one of the ornaments that we treasure, if, if this one might work, I hope it will, Laura. There we go. When Isabella was a baby, on my day off, without Melanie knowing about it, I got her in her carrier, buckled her you know, in the car, and drove from where we lived in Richmond down to South Park Mall in Colonial Heights. And there was this uh, store there where you could have ceramic, you could make things and design them, and then they would kiln them, you know, whatever, finish it off, and then you go pick it up. And I took Isabella down and had several things made, one of which was this Christmas ornament where we took paint and painted her hand and pressed it on the ornament, and then I wrote her initials and the year 2004, and then we gave that to Melanie for Christmas. And she wondered, how did you get our baby daughter's hand to be still enough to make such a clear handprint? I said, I don't know. But she did it. And that's been one of the most special ornaments on our tree. Another ornament that tells our story is fast uh, rewinding a little bit, but it's from our honeymoon in Bermuda in 1990. Uh, that is called a moon gate. I forgot it w what it was called, honey, in the early service. So I googled it between services. But it's called a moon gate, and you walk through the moon gate. You've been there, and uh, you you pause, and then you kiss each other, and then you make a wish. And so that is a reminder of our honeymoon on our tree. And then the last ornament I'll tell you about is at the top of our tree. It's above all the other ornaments, and it's the cross of Jesus Christ. And that ornament, it has the words believe on it. And you may not be able to see that one because our computer is glitchy today. There it is. And it helps us to bear in mind the reason why we celebrate Christmas, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ, where Jesus desires for every single one of us to believe on him to receive Him as Savior and Lord and to accept His grace, mercy, and love. Story is important. And that's what Matthew's Gospel does for us when he tells the birth of Jesus Christ. It reminds us, if you're taking notes, first that God has always been with us. John will make this more clear that the incarnate Christ is the Christ who has always been. There has never been a time when Christ was separate from God. God has always existed as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Matthew's Gospel helps us to frame that in human history, in the line of all of the descendants, from the Abrahamic promise to the line of David, post-Babylonian exile, into the promises 
of the New Testament. It is all framed there and it helps remind us that He's always been with us. Emmanuel. And it reminds us that God uses the unexpected in the story. If you read the Christmas story in Matthew's Gospel, you will see there are people that you would not expect to be there. You would expect it to be this pure Jewish lineage. But there not only were women named in in Matthew's account, but uh, at least two of them were Gentile women. It also mentions Mary. There were five women mentioned in Matthew's account of the genealogy. And there also are astrologers from Persia, modern-day Iran, known as the wise men, who came most likely when Jesus was about two years old to Bethlehem. And that's all part of the story, these unexpected people. And it reminds us that God uses you and me because we are not perfect. And He uses us in unexpected but amazing ways to share the love of Jesus Christ and to continue to further the message of the Gospel to the ends of the earth. And it reminds us also, third, that God seeks faithful obedience from us. Sometimes we are really good, especially as Baptists, can I have an amen? Hang on just a second. Of making ourselves feel guilty because of the things that we forget or don't do. Can I hear an amen? Okay. Amen. All right. And uh, uh, threefold, right? <laughs> have, a, have another one, right? One, and, and an amen. There we go. We are really good at making our, ourselves feel bad about the things that we can't do or don't do or about our past. When God's story is a redemption story, And He uses us in spite of our failures and sins to do His mighty work. And He just asked us like Joseph to be obedient. An angel spoke to him on four different occasions in dreams. And Joseph, although he had made a decision to quietly divorce Mary because she was with child, could you imagine what that would have been like? He was going to move on. And the angel said, no, this is part of my plan and you will take her to be your wife and take her home and you will raise that son. And he is the son of David, the son of man, Emmanuel. That's what you will do. And Joseph obeyed and was faithful to God and carried out that promise that God had made to him. All of this points us to this understanding of Emmanuel. The fourth thing I want you to remember And that is that the us in God with us is the great big us. The great big us. So it's us as individual people, God with us, with you and me. But the great big us is all the us's, all the others in this world. That for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That whoever so shall believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. You and I are part of this great big us. And Emmanuel is God with us. Our job or our call is to help other people realize that. Many people do not realize that God is with them. And that God's Son died for them. And through Jesus Christ, we can have life and have it abundantly here and in all eternity. You and I are part of that great big story. How does your story connect with God's story? 
If you were to take a snapshot of your life, can you reflect on how your life connects with God's story? Where are you in God's story? Maybe it's at the very beginning. You have not accepted Christ yet, uh, but you, you've heard what God has spoken to you today through song and prayer and word, and maybe your desire is to move closer to that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Or as believers, how does our uh, story help us to be more faithful to God in the coming year, to serve Him in some ways maybe we haven't before? And more importantly, how can you and I share God's story with others as we go through this Christmas season? It is a great time to do it because it's all around us. People are hearing Christmas songs on the radio. There are decorations around neighborhoods. There are things in the stores for sale. It's easy for us to share the Christmas story these days. What a wonderful story we have to tell.